Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This episode on the podcast, we're going to talk about small stream fly rods. If you've been around the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast or the website for any length of time, you know that this is something that is near and dear to my heart. Not because the fly rods themselves have intrinsic value, but because of what we can do with them. Uh, and so that's what we're going to focus on today is small stream fly rods. The first time I remember really being exposed to a small fly rod is when I was probably like 16, maybe 15. And I went into an Orvis store, an Orvis store I ended up working at later in life. And I picked up one of the super fine rods that was made in the 1990s. Now, up until this time, the only fly rod that I had ever used was an inexpensive rod from Sports Authority. So this thing was like partially graphite, partially fiberglass, a foam handle, big, thick butt section for like a five, six weight rod. I mean, it was, it was big around as my thumb is now. Um, it was a medium action and it was just like a broomstick with a super, super floppy tip on the end. And that was my rod, and I used that on big streams, I used that on small streams, I used it for trout, I used it for bass. And as far as I knew, this was what a fly rod was. I knew there there was these $400 and $600,000 fly rods out there, but I had zero conception of what those things meant. But walked into this Orvis store one day, walked into the back, you walk through all the clothes, walk past all the dog beds, and then the ceiling got lower and things got darker and it got really, really cramped. I'm talking like claustrophobic cramped. Um, and years later, once I had to try to, you know, organize and, and clean things up, I can attest that it actually was that cramp. But there were the fly rods and they were up on one of those normal fly rod display cases where they were um, kind of laid flat. And I really liked that. I, I know that's probably much more space conscious to have them in an upright stand in the middle of the floor, but both for the protection of the rods and to just see them laid out and to see them and really get a sense of their length and comparatively from one to another um, and the cosmetics from one to another. I really like the rod displays that they are flat uh, on a diagonal surface kind of angled up towards the ceiling and I remember seeing these super fine rods and I can't remember the first one that I picked up but these rods if, if you can remember them if you were fishing back in the in the 90s or the 80s I think there was the same rod series I can't remember exactly when when each model came out 
I don't remember the first one I picked up. I know that I had a lot of experience with the Brook Trout, which was the seven and a half foot four weight. This was the rod that a buddy of mine ended up buying. But these were gray, unsanded blanks. And so they had texture to them and they were just different. Everything else was shiny. Everything else was in the maroons and the forest greens. And the uh, we there were some kind of uh, blackish colored rods, but these were this sand, not unsanded gray rod with a much more delicate grip. And in the smaller rod weights, they didn't have um, any real seat. It was just the cork with the, the little rings on them. Some of those rods, uh, there was the, the tippet, which was seven and a half at three weight. The uh, small stream special was seven foot five weight. There was the 711, which was a seven foot 11 inch four weight. Uh, There's the tight loop, which was the eight foot four piece four weight. And this was when a lot of these rods were two piece rods. The flea, the six and a half foot four weight. And that was a really cool rod. Um, another one that was, was really uh, kind of popular was the one weight. It was a seven foot six inch one weight, and this was Orvis's first one weight. As far as I can tell, and from my remembers, it was their first one weight, and a seven and a half foot. Then they had the one ounce, which was always the rod that I coveted, but I never really um, saw as being a feasible rod because to me, even as, as somebody who wasn't super into fly fishing at the time, with the exception of what I had been doing with my cheap rod, thought one ounce fly rod what could that do now i've got a couple rods that are just tipping the scales at like one and a half ounces i could say i would love to have an orvis one ounce a six and a half foot two weight in my collection but i just remember thinking those were the coolest rods in the world uh, at that price i want to say the the msrp was something between like 399 and 499 i haven't done my research on that this is a lot of this was going off some notes that that i have from from back in the day um but I never owned one of those rods. I fished with them a couple times, but when I was was an employee and some friends that had those rods, but that really kind of set me on the path to say, okay, this is a niche that people are are putting a lot of money into. What can I get out of this? What's the value in this? And so, although I've talked about and written about um, small stream fly rods ad nauseum, I thought I would kind of circle the conversation back around in case you're a new listener to the podcast, or in case you're somebody who maybe has taken your eight and a half foot five weight or nine foot six weight out to a small stream, just to kind of give a couple of introductory reasons why I should, I I would suggest a small stream fly rod if you can afford it. And also just talk about the versatility of a rod. So if this is something where you're saying, I just want one fly rod uh, and I'm going to shoot right for the middle. You know, I listened to that episode you had in the past, the, you know, five or six weight. And so I went with that, you know, nice, delicate six weight to which I say, fantastic. Awesome. I'm glad that was helpful. But if you want to mix a second trout rod into your arsenal, uh, that, that shorter, lighter, lighter line weight fly rod is not just a novelty you can actually do a whole lot with it. So my first lightweight fly rod that I got was a seven foot, three piece, three weight St. Croix Avid. Inexpensive rod, I think it was maybe around $200. But to this day, it's one of my favorite small stream fly rods. Medium fast action, and as I've said a lot before, I have a couple of incredibly flexible small stream fly rods, and those are great if if the river is wide open. But if I'm going to be making casts of any length and or accuracy, 
I want a faster action so I can control that back cast. If I'm casting in cover, if I'm having to keep it um, low under the canopy, then I want to be able to control that back cast with a trajectory that might not translate into a perfect uh, you know, angle into my front cast. So I might make a little bit of a change in my arm or my elbow by like dipping my elbow down to cause that line from going up higher to get over an obstruction behind me and then dropping my elbow so that that line levels out in front of me. And, and again, that's pretty hard to visualize in a podcast, but by having a rod that's faster, I'm able to do that. I'm able to make um, some of those corrections within a casting stroke and this rod does it um and i I'm, i get it i appreciate the fact that because i've been fishing with that particular rod for almost 25 years now i'm probably just very very comfortable with it but i know that i can't do those things with the slower rods but what that also means is that i can bomb out a really long cast with this fly rod and I can do that with a weight forward line. Uh, I can do it with a double taper line. And that's not because I am a spectacular caster. It's because a well-built fly rod, even if it's shorter, seven feet long, even if it's a lightweight, a three weight, if you have your mechanics right, and if the conditions are okay, and if you're not trying to throw like a size two cone head streamer on there, you're gonna be able to cast as long as you need to. It might not be 90 feet with consistency, but you're going to be able to make those 60-foot casts if you need to, which is really a pretty long cast in any situation where you would be taking a three-weight out. But I learned to do this. There was a pond that I lived close to that had trout in it. And for a good couple of months in the middle of summer, these fish in the spring-fed pond would cruise the middle of that pond, sipping the insects that would land on it. And... uh, they, the ones that closer to the shore, um, the, the carp and the, the warm water fish kind of held court and kept things away and the people casting their um, power bait and things like that kind of made it hard to uh, attract the, the trout in closer. But out in the middle of this pond, these fish would just rise day in and day out. And the six inches would do it and the 16 inches would do it. And there'd be palominos in there and you could just watch them cruise and just slurp stuff off the top from, you know, 50, 60 feet away. And so the when I first started fishing this pond, all I had was that seven foot three weight. And so I learned to make those casts. Now, would that have been an easier task with a nine foot six weight with a delicate enough tip and with a gentle enough stroke to put that out there at that distance? Absolutely. But I got to the point where I could proficiently and efficiently cast at that length with that seven foot three weight. So all that to say, it can be done. There's nothing, nothing wrong with a shorter rod if you learn how to cast it. The, having proper mechanics and not trying to do something you know, outside of that normal uh, range of reasonable fishing, you're going to be able to make all the casts that you need to make in that situation. You know, you're not going to be able to cast 100 feet. I mean, you, you could, but it's not going to be comfortable and you're not going to uh, be making a great presentation. And if you did, you know, trying to set the hook at 100 feet on a rising fish with a three-way, a seven-foot three-way, it's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. But for reasonable fishing situations, you're going to be able to do it. So don't think that a rod like that, seven-foot three-weight, seven-and-a-half-foot four-weight, you know, something like that, it, it's going to limit you or it's just some sort of like teeny tiny uh, dace and fingerling trout uh, novelty rod for a little stream behind your, your, your house. That that's, 
not it at all. You know, that very same rod, I probably have caught some of my largest fish ever on that rod because for years that was my only trout rod. I had a nine foot six weight, but for some of these spring creeks, um, you know, for getting good drifts and, and mending purposes, when I was a, a teenager and in my early 20s, before I had a, a wide range of rods, I, I had that nine foot six weight and I had a seven foot three weight. And for moving smaller streamers or, or really getting a good drift with like crest bugs and things like that on spring creeks, that seven foot three weight was actually easier to mend with because I was able to work on that near bank. So I've talked about fishing uh, streamers on small streams before and how I like fishing the near bank with a streamer, both upstream from me and downstream of me. And that is very difficult with a long rod because that uh, fly is going to follow that line and that line is going to follow the rod tip. And you can certainly do things to put some slack into your line, but then you have slack in your line. And a lot of these fish aren't going to be striking with the same aggressive uh, kinds of strikes that you're going to find with bigger fish on bigger rivers. Even the aggressive predatory fish on small streams are going to be acting out of self-preservation when they make those predatory moves and they're going to not strike with the same sort of intensity. And so you're not going to want that slack in your line. They're not going to hook themselves. You're going to be ready to pull that in and set that hook. And so having a nine foot rod is less ideal in those situations than having that seven foot rod or even an, an eight foot rod. The, the cl tighter and closer you can get to that fly and that bank, uh, the better chances you're going to have. And so I remember one particular fish is just big rainbow trout. It hardly had any green on its back. It was just silvery and pink and just some sort of weird, you know, uh, hatchery uh, mutation. And this fish was, was pinned underneath a log. And I was using that seven foot three weight to drift that uh, little tiny scud right up un under that, that log that had been put in for uh, stream uh, reinforcement and right before it would get there I would I would I would sweep it towards myself so that it wouldn't get hung up and I would do that you know over and over again trying to get that drift right in that spring creek with all those funky currents and finally I hooked that fish and I immediately just shoved that the tip of that three weight uh, into the water so that uh, that fish couldn't wrap me up around that pole and that little little rod it bent and it flexed and looking at it as it refracted in the water I thought my goodness this thing's going to snap in half because it looked like one of those ugly stick commercials because it was completely bent bent over at least that was the way it looked with the refraction but I was able to kind of maneuver that fish you know playing it with that that rod that flexibility of that rod and played it back into open water and was able to, to fight it but that's a situation where that traditional rod would have made the presentation and then fighting that fish much more difficult. You know, all things being equal, having wide open spaces and having wide open river for presentation and fighting, absolutely that longer, heavier rod would have been great. But in this situation, the length, that short length, put me in a position where I was able to fight that fish. Now, might that be specialized? Might that be something that is is not within kind of the, the, the parameters of your normal angling experience? Absolutely. But for a lot of you, it might be. Small streams, uh, tight streams, uh, spring creeks, things like that. That is one more example of where that short, light rod is going to come in handy. All right, I'm going to get back to uh, short and light fly rods in a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Manscaped. 
and support for today's episode of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. And you, listener, can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code casting as in casting across put the code casting in at manscaped.com now i was one of the first people believe it or not me to try the new lawnmower 4.0 and i like it it's a great shaver i've used the you know like the the 20 25 30 ones that you get at big box stores and they're good but every one of them the battery life is terrible uh they they pull, they snag, they aren't easy to clean. The Lawnmower 4.0 succeeds where they fail. And if you've ever tried to use the trimmer that you've bought for your beard or your goatee or your facial hair, um, or even that you might have for your hair trimmer, um, tried to use that on your any place else on your body, you might find that it is not the optimal design or shape and ergonomically it might not be the right thing to use elsewhere. The Lawnmower 4.0 has been designed just for that. And, you know, one more thing. Uh, maybe you think, yeah, I don't need that. Well, if you have somebody in your life, maybe bring it up with them. Hey, would you appreciate it? Or would you just entertain the idea of me using something like this? And they might say, yes, I've been waiting for you to ask. Now, this is your chance because all you have to do is uh, go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CASTING manscaped.com 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code casting unlock your confidence with the new lawnmower 4.0 from manscaped so just like you might have never thought that you need another trimmer uh, you might not think that you need one more fly rod and i think that you know the the two kind of anecdotes that i've given already about the uses of a shorter and lighter fly rod hopefully can you know, help you understand that. But I guess the, the, the next thing that I want to talk about just for the last few minutes is, and, and it's riffing off of something I've talked about a few different times, and I even alluded to it earlier in the podcast, how do you make up your mind between one weight and another? And I find that you, you have a couple of categories of line weights when it comes to those ultralight fly rods. You have the kind of the zero, one, and two, and I know there's half weights and all that sort of stuff, but you know, generally speaking, zero, one, and two, and those are great fly rods. I have an eight foot two weight that I absolutely love. It's um, the Douglas Upstream, and I got that rod as soon as it came out, and it is just a fantastic dry fly rod for the brook trout streams up here in New England. I love it to death. But it really does, you know, have limitations on that top end, both even just the size of larger dry flies. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's not designed to throw that. And especially you get into some wind or you want to throw a streamer on, it's going to have its limitations. But you jump up to that three-way, and now all of a sudden I can put on those size 8 streamers, maybe a size 10 with a bead head on there, and I can cast it with a lot more accuracy and precision. I'm not having to throw these big wide-open loops. So you kind of have the 0, 1, and 2, and then you have the 3 and 4. And I would even say that you know certain uh, rod lines, like certain series of rods from certain manufacturers, some of their five weights are awfully light. Uh, I think they like the the Sage Dart in a five weight, for example. Um, the excellent rod, but it's a, it's it's a really lightweight rod. 
So I would say that 0, 1, 2, and then 3 and 4, and then some 5s. If you are on the fence about going to a lighter rod weight, you might think, you know what, I'm just not going to be able to cast like I want to. I'm not going to be able to do the things I want to do. Then go out and cast some 3 and 4 weights. Now, a 4 weight is an incredibly normal trout rod, especially out here in the east. Um, so maybe if you live out west, you think, you know what, I, I'm getting, I get by with my five weights. I get it. I've fished for cutthroats up in the mountains out west with a five weight, and I have absolutely enjoyed it. But try to find maybe a shorter four weight um, that's still got that speed, something in that medium fast action. If you're fishing in some place that has tight, uh, um, you know, underbrush that's on the sides of the banks, something that has some overhanging limbs, you are going to be so pleased with your ability to tuck that elbow down in and make casts with in places that you, you, you weren't able to before. So you might say, you know what, zeros, ones, and twos, I'm going to leave that for people who are fishing really, really tiny little streams who are only going to be fishing that. But have that extra rod in your arsenal. You might find a feeder creek and you're unable to fish that with a nine foot rod. So get down to maybe that seven and a half foot, or even a seven foot rod, and you'll be very, very pleased with the flexibility that that provides for you. So let me just kind of sum up. The first thing is if you can learn how to cast it, you're going to be able to cast it, you know, especially in that three and four weight category you're not going to be able to bomb out of zero weight at any you know length. I'm sure there's people out there that can, but it's just not practical. It's not feasible. But in that three and four weight kind of section of, of rods, especially if they have a little bit of backbone in them, you're going to be able to make good, long casts that are very, very reasonable. And if you have a rod that has enough backbone, you're going to be able to fight decent-sized fish. Uh, not that I'm a, a spectacular angler, but I've landed plenty of you know 18- and 20-inch fish on a three-weight rod. It's doable, and if you know how to fight a fish and you know how to um, you use tactics to, to tire them out quickly, not to the point of exhaustion, but quickly get them where they're fighting against the current, not just against you pulling them, then it doesn't matter if you've got a one weight or if you've got a 10 weight. You're going to be able to do it very, very easily because at the end of the day, it's really about you know pulling as hard as you can pull um, and protecting that tippet. Um, so that's the first thing. You're going to be able to use that rod to do what you want to do. Secondly, it's going to provide you more options in presentation. You're going to be able to do things that you can't do with that 9-foot rod in the water. You're going to be able to work that near bank a lot easier. If there are seams that are close by, and again, this really has a lot of validity in spring creeks and mountain creeks. You're able to work those nearby seams a little bit easier by just dropping a foot or a foot and a half. You Think about it this way. Think about the inverse. We, we've seen this a lot in the last few years. People adding a foot or a foot and a half to their fly rod gives them that much more control and connection when you are a little bit further out using nymphing and nymphing tactics. You reduce your rod by a foot and a foot and a half. The same is true for working on things nearby, and so that's definitely something to consider. And then thirdly, as I just said um, after the commercial, uh, you are able to get yourself into tighter situations, but you combined that, just the, the compact nature of a shorter rod with those other two aforementioned uh, benefits, uh, then you're able to do a lot. So it might not be your go-to rod, but it can be. It might not be your everyday rod, but it can be. 
it might not be the best tool for every situation, but it might be a tool that has a use in every situation. So if you have any questions about small stream fly rods, my my take on some of the models that are out there, lengths, weights, and all the derivations thereof, definitely reach out. I'd be happy to talk. Matthew at castingacross.com. And uh, you can always reach me there, and I will give you the information that I have. I don't have all the information, but what I have, I'm happy to give you. This week on the podcast, the first article is called Smallmouth a Fly Gear Primer. Smallmouth a Fly Gear Primer, or primer, depending on your preferred pronunciation. And here I am making the argument that if you want to take your smallmouth bass fishing to the next level, uh, stop using your normal trout gear. Now, again, like I've been saying all podcasts, you're able to get by with your normal trout gear. But if you, with a few minor modifications, maybe new rod reel line the whole nine yards, or maybe with just a few different uh, uh, alterations to the gear that you have, then you're going to put yourself into a much better position to make better presentations to those fish. It's not about getting bigger gear for the sake of getting bigger gear. It's about you casting and presenting the fly better. So I talk about that in Smallmouth, a fly gear primer. And then Wednesday's article is called Laughing at Form, Fly Fishing Function. Laughing at Form, Fly Fishing Function. And this is a little bit of a humorous article where I talk about the trends that we have in fly fishing and how some of them are just hideously ugly. And especially 25 years ago, again, going back to working at that fly shop at the Orvis store, some of the things that we had are, are just just terrible. The Patch Madra shirt. I know it's not a fishing shirt, fishing shirt, but man, the thing was ugly. And I also talk about uh, a video that I watched when I was working at the fly shop with John Denver in Teal Waders. And I actually have that video on that post. So if you're a John Denver fan, if you are a Teal Wader fan, then you can go to Laughing at Form, Fly Fishing Function at castingacross.com and scroll down and see that video embedded at the bottom of that post. This week's recommendation on the podcast is actually a fly rod. A fly rod that I really enjoy, and I have a video that I will link to in the show notes to this podcast page talking about how I think that the Risen Fly Fishing Genesis 7 foot 3 weight is the best small stream fly rod that you can get for under $100. Um, I am incredibly pleased with this rod. This is the rod that I carry with me whenever somebody is going fishing with me. Now I fish with it. Um, I have taken it for to be my kids fly rod when we go on a family trip and I don't bring a backup small stream fly rod. So if I bring a larger fly rod and they have these Genesis seven foot three weight, then when I want to fish in a small stream, I will use that rod. It's a great rod. It casts exceptionally well, especially considering that it comes in at under $100. And Risen Fly Fishing runs a lot of sales, so you can get it much cheaper than that. But I'll put not just a uh, link to the video of me talking about the Risen Fly Fishing Genesis, but also uh, a link to that rod itself on the show notes for this page. But if you're looking to expand uh, or, or you, you know, you're like me, you have that one fly rod that you got that you've been using in every and any situation and you're not super excited about shelling out three to four hundred dollars for a short light fly rod then you could do a whole lot worse than checking out the genesis from risen fly fishing thank you for listening to the casting across fly fishing podcast please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on itunes then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people places and things that go into the pursuit of fish Thank you.